Welcome to the fifth season of The Coaching Cast, your working from home club. We're here to remind you that you're not alone, that we're in this together, all striving to make sense of today's working world. Regardless of where you're working right now or whatever you do as a career, we've got something for you here at The Coaching Cast. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo which suffocates rather than advocates. And I'm Susie, coach at Future You Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a two-year-old who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned. In this podcast, we explore all things impacting you, our CBBs, at work right now presenting different topics each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips for you to take away and try for yourself, as well as having a few laughs, of course. We hope you enjoy listening. CBBs, the fifth season of The Coaching Cast. We've enjoyed a short break and we're now ready to catch up with you all and discuss some exciting new topics impacting all of us in work today, as well as share some brand new bullshit bingos and some workplace shame stories to keep us all entertained. We've chosen to open the season with a two-part special discussing values and how to find value in your work. In this first part, we will explore what we mean by values, why they're so important, and our experience of working with them. So stay with us and enjoy. So before we get cracking with this first part of this two-part special opening season five, Suze, how have you been? Hello, welcome back. Welcome back to podcasting. Um, I'm good, thank you. Not too bad at all. Um, It has been a fairly good break, spring break for me. It feels like quite a long time ago that we were back, we were on the mic, but also it feels like it's not. It's kind of like yesterday as well. So um, yeah, it felt a bit weird getting the, the mic back out this morning. I have to say when I plugged it into my laptop, I was... For a second, I was a bit like, please work. Oh, God, what if you're not working? And I don't know until I literally just plug you in right now. Um, but thankfully, we are up and running. I've just got to remember how <laughs> how to podcast um, and <laughs> hopefully make some sense today. Um, but yeah, no, all good. So what's been happening? Um, oh, well, I started off um, the spring break um, with COVID, unfortunately. You finally got it. Succumbed. Finally finally caught up with me two years later so I had it and my husband had it um so that was a pretty rough 10 days or so I have to say felt not great and then I got the headache thing so everyone says like sometimes when you have COVID you can have a headache for like a couple of weeks afterwards and I definitely did so I got a headache I had a headache every day for about two weeks after I had it so that wasn't great but onwards and upwards because my brother got married so my brother got married over Easter in the Cotswolds which was lovely um so that was a really good couple of days um I mean going to a wedding with a toddler is very different to going to a wedding solo I would definitely (laughs) say it it brings a different dimension to things um 
Yeah, it's quite intense. But no, he was really good. Um, it was a really lovely day. And I still managed to throw a few shapes on the dance floor because... Um, Excellent. I mean, who doesn't love a dance floor boogie at, towards the end of the night? Um, Especially a really wedding. Good. Yeah, I love a exactly. wedding disco. Uh, love a wedding disco. Uh, my dad, Martin, fan of the podcast, also guest. He was also really getting into throwing some shapes around. <laughs> so, yeah, we, me and him had a good old dance. Um, yeah, it was really nice. Really nice couple of days. Um, and then also um, we've had a transition in this house around the toddler behaviours, I would say. I don't even know how to describe it. Basically, my toddler is now two and a half. And it's like living with Kevin, the teenager. <laughs> um, so like this morning, so basically anything which is getting in the car, going up for a bath and going to bed, getting clothes on, not too bad with eating at the moment, touch wood, but basically anything I ask to be done, um, no, the answer is just no. The other morning he woke up, I was like, oh, it's time to wake up now. And he just went, no, with his eyes shut. <laughs> And then he just carried on going, no, 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 over and over again with his eyes shut. I was like, oh, for God's sake, this day, how's my day's going to start? So there's a lot of emotion going on in this house and it's not me <laughs> yet. It soon could be. Oh, my goodness. So the terrible teas are true then? Right. So I, maybe I was like, I thought, oh, I might have got away with this. Like, because before he turned two he was quite totes mosh and like we had a lot of tantrums and then you kind of hit two and a few here and there but it kind of like settled down I was like oh maybe we're done maybe we're done hit two and a half oh my god and then literally the day after we had like four meltdowns like a caged animal like literally like get away from me oh my god and I was just like oh my god I don't know what to do anyway so uh, not only do I now negotiate for a living because I also do a lot of sales work in my business I now am constantly negotiating at home as well um <laughs> so yeah I think I posted on my LinkedIn a few weeks ago if you want to learn anything about negotiation you can learn a lot from a I did see your article yes and I thought oh god it's it's that yeah. time you're in that period of life yeah so, yeah, that's been quite challenging. Um, and then finally, to kind of round things off, I hosted a Eurovision party on Saturday with my friends. I was waiting for you to talk about Eurovision because it has yeah. just taken place. Yeah, it has. It has. And I know you're a fan. I am a big fan of the Eurovision Song Contest. I was, always have been, but I happened to go to the Eurovision in Lisbon in 2018, not to the actual final Saturday concert, but I was there in the week, went to Eurovision Village, and my love for Eurovision escalated from this point. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea you've been. That's amazing. I absolutely love it. I love it. It's so vibrant. It's so energizing. I love what it's all about, like the sentiment behind it. It's, it's just kind of purest kind of love and fun. It was yeah. so good. Um, and yeah, I absolutely love it. So um, I've got a couple of friends who like it, probably not quite as much as me, <laughs> but I decided I was going to host a Eurovision party this year at my house. I made a bespoke invite. That is how much of a loser I am. Oh my God. I had no um, idea. This is like, I'm learning yeah. about you all over again. Yeah. Um, the, the coaching class whiteboard got repurposed 
for the Eurovision because I made everyone do their predictions before it started on who the winner was going to be and where the UK were going to come. Um, and my friend Jenny got it spot on because she predicted Ukraine were going to win and that the UK were going to come second. And that's absolutely what happened. Yeah, that is what happened. Um, so, and then I themed it because it was hosted in Italy. So I had a themed Italian evening. So we all had Italian food, um, Italian wine, and then obviously we watched the Eurovision. We watched some of it outside because it was a nice day. And then we watched the scoring inside. Um, and I nearly had a heart attack when we were leading the scoreboard with the judges (laughs) scoring, because this was like my world cup. I was like, (laughs) oh my God. And my husband was asleep upstairs because he'd been away with work. So he was absolutely knackered. And at one point I was like, I might have to go and wake my husband up because I am so excited. If we win this, this is going to be amazing. Like I was like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it if we win this. (laughs) Um, But obviously we didn't. We came second to Ukraine, which was an absolutely still brilliant result. Um, But yeah, I loved it. I just love everything about Eurovision. It was I can't believe we came second. Like we've had such a dismal Eurovision contest for so many years. And I was so chuffed that we came second. I can't say I watched it. I didn't. But I watched all the highlights. And I'm quite a fan of Sam, who's our singer. I just think he's adorable. And his voice is incredible. So, yeah, I actually quite like the song. It is quite a good song. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I like him. I think he's sweet. So, yeah. But um, I love the fact we just came second, not last in something for a change. I mean, what a turnaround. I mean... (laughs) brilliant I mean there's probably a few factors at play there which we won't go into but yes it was really really fun um so that was kind of like a fun way to round off um my spring break but anyway enough about me what's been going on for you firstly whereabouts are you in the world right I'm still in Cape Town okay but I fly back to the UK via Dubai next week on Friday (laughs) Yeah, don't hate me too much, everyone. It's mainly because my husband literally was trying to eke out this trip as much as possible and (laughs) delay arriving in the UK. Uh, So yeah, so we will be back in the UK from the beginning of June, but I go to Dubai first next week on Friday uh, for the first time, I might add. So you know, actually, I'm really excited about it. I've never been there before. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I am like the palest of the pale. And we're going to a desert. So I will be permanent- before, haven't we, on the yeah. podcast? I'll be permanently well. in shade wearing Factor 50. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that I, I fit the clientele of Dubai because I don't think I'm glamorous enough or young enough either. But I'm going to go for it and have, you know, as much of a great time as I possibly can. I'm looking forward to my first ever Saturday brunch next uh, week, Saturday. So that should be fun. Although we've had to strategically pick which one we go to because there are plenty of brunch options that I was like, oh, that looks so good. But the sort of thing I'd like to go to with my girlfriend, you know, like you. But possibly not, Dom, I don't think. <laughs> It just looks all a little bit too much for him. So we had to veto some of the brunches because they looked way too wild for Dom. Oh, gosh. So, no, but I'm quite happy with the choice. But that should be fun. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, So, yes, but still in South Africa for now. Had a great time. The weather's changed here, although yesterday it was over 30 degrees. So it's supposed to be winter. That's Uh, all right. All right. It was uh, boiling yesterday. Excuse me. But I am back in a little jumper today and jeans. But I think this is the trauma I've experienced, putting jeans on. So I have not worn jeans that much in the past six months because I haven't been in the UK. And most of the time it's been too hot for them. 
So getting this body back into jeans over the last couple of weeks has been a slightly <laughs> traumatic affair. My trusty jeans that I've adored are letting me down. You know, when you're just literally like, what's happened to you? Because it's obviously the jeans fault, not my body. But I'm like, what's happened to you? Like you used to be comfortable, enjoyable to wear. I thought I looked pretty good in you. Not any longer. Something has happened. Something dramatic has happened. So trying to like, you know, fold my body into jeans is not a pleasurable experience at the moment. And yesterday I was wearing a pair of jeans that I bought while I've been out here that I actually quite like. But they are an acquired taste, I think, because they are wide-legged but cropped. So they sit at the ankle. I also took the hem off because I wanted a a raw hem, you know, Mm, down down with the kids. Yeah. Um, but there's something odd going on with the waist of these jeans. So they are a high-waisted jean, but they seem to choose to fold in a particularly odd place that makes me look like I'm carrying around a baby kangaroo. <laughs> so I've got this paunch. Now, the reality of my situation is I have a paunch. I do have a small paunch. It just exists. Oh. A paunch, yeah. So I wouldn't classify it as a gut or anything, but I have got a paunch. And it's you know, as I've got older, I've noticed it's harder to get rid of. Like, it just doesn't shift anymore. I have a permanent paunch. And these jeans accentuate the paunch. So now it looks like I've got some sort of, like, baby kangaroo I'm walking around with. And I said to Dom about it yesterday. I was like, do these jeans look a bit odd? Now, he used a rather unflattering term that I'm not going to repeat here on the podcast. But let's just say he was making reference to my little paunch and where it was hanging rather low. (laughs) <laughs> which is not a flattering terminology. Anyway, he thought he was hilarious. I did not. So I then said, would well, you think I look stupid and I should stop wearing these? He went, no. I was like, well, you've just told me that I look like I've got, you know, a low hanging gut, which is not really the look I'm going for with those trousers. So I'm going to have to do something with them. Either I lose some weight, but, you know, that's not my first choice. Or... <laughs> I just wear different style tops with them to try and cover up my little paunch that the jean seems to accentuate. <laughs> I mean, I'm just loving this word paunch. paunch like, yeah. I honestly, this is brilliant. This is, I love it. I'm not, I have, I've not yeah. heard that word for a really long time. Um, well, I have yeah, one. Great. Um, now, I did. I thought I had one before South Africa, but I think it's just got slightly accentuated. I've obviously <laughs> been having too much of a good time. But so I've now decided to start counting back on the alcohol. So I'm now doing no booze Mondays, Tuesdays, one drink Wednesdays. Oh, wow. Progress. And then like it. as much as I can get into my throat Thursday to Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so you are going to bottomless brunch next week. Like, I am, I- yes. That's a, that's a week Saturday. <laughs> uh, so anyway, don't follow my health advice, kids. Yes. I'm not the role model here. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, um, I'm glad you've had a nice break enjoying uh, yourself. I'm having a wonderful and, time. Um, still sunning yourself in the delightful South Africa, which I yeah. feel like I'm living through you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, yes. Yeah. So it's good to be back. So should we get cracking with the uh, opening episode? Talk about values. Let's go. We've chosen to open this fifth season with a two-part special discussing values and how to find value in your work, a topic which you told us was important to you at the moment. And actually, I have started to see more and more people talking about. So it definitely sounds as though people are getting twigged 
on the importance of values. So values and purpose are both the fuel to our working engines and our sat-nav directing us on the right path. Working with them expedites what we can achieve and it elevates how we feel about what we do. Values can be defined as broad preferences concerning appropriate courses of action or outcomes. As such, values reflect a person's sense of right or wrong or what ought to be. These are a part of us and have been cultivated throughout our lives based on a multitude of factors, family, friends, education, our experiences and our environment. They are our inner spirit level. Things may not feel right. We may feel unhappy if they are unbalanced or unfulfilled. So values are clearly important because of how they influence our thoughts, our behaviours, decisions, relationships and experiences. They're super, super powerful. If we're working with them, we can achieve higher levels of clarity, energy, motivation and happiness, both in work and in our personal lives. However, if we're working against them, then we can experience the opposite. Doubt, confusion, dissatisfaction, lethargy, loneliness, unhappiness, you get the drift. So, Suze, what does working with your values mean to you? So, firstly, I do want to say that until I became a coach a few years ago, I didn't actually really know what working with my values or finding value actually kind of meant or applied to me. So the reason I say that is because if you're now listening to this and you're thinking, I okay, I have no idea what my values are and I get it, but I don't know what mine are. Do not worry. Firstly, do not panic because I was in exactly the same place uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, and hopefully by the end of this two part special, you will have a bit more clarity around how you can go and find what your values are. But I think, you know, examples of values are things like positivity, accountability, integrity, trust, collaboration, like they're all really, really important things like to your point in the intro there, which are like help us in our inner spirit level. And I love that um, idea. It's like our inner compass that guides us. So I think until very recently, did I really experience what working with my values meant? Because I think I'd been on a bit of a, I'm going to use it, a journey around. (laughs) To use the journey word. I used a journey. Um, It's a good word. Yeah, (laughs) and I I think I have because I didn't really know much about it until I started learning more about this particular subject area in my um, qualification for my coaching. And also I was being coached at the time as well because I was at a crossroads in my career. And so my coach at the time did some work with me around what my personal values were and uncovering those. And I think the way I kind of work with it and what that means to me is actually a little bit more focused around the way I conduct myself, I think. Um, And that's how it kind of plays out in my experience. So for example, one of my um, values, which is really important to me is around flexibility. And that's because I'm a working mum now, I have a young child. But before there, I had a child, actually, you know, I've talked about it before. I have um, some physical health conditions, so I'm type one diabetic. So my health isn't necessarily always at its optimum. There are some challenges I always have to navigate and manage. 
And so actually being able to have the flexibility in order to do that, I know allows me to be at my best and allows me to be in a place where I feel, you know, uh, I've got satisfaction, I feel happier because I've got that flexibility there. And that's really important to me as one of my values. And so carving out situations which allow me to turn up and and do the best I can do at work, but that allow me to um, be flexible in the way that I um, conduct myself. So, for example, that I can, I don't know, go and have a jelly baby because my blood sugar's dropped low, or I can just nip out for a second because I've got a medical appointment or whatever that might be, Mm. is one of the things that's really important to me. And so now... Is different because obviously I'm a solopreneur and I have my own business. So I, I am in charge of my flexibility more now to an extent. But that is something that definitely when I was back in my corporate career and considering, you know, job roles was something that was very much at the forefront of my mind was around if I move into this role, is this still going to allow me an element of flexibility, which is so important to me in order for me to thrive because my health needs to be in check in order for me to thrive in my work. Um, and also the way I conduct myself as well. So that's kind of how it um, has come through for me, I think, is one of my top ones. And I think a really great way of looking at it as an example in its purest form, you know, if you are a strict vegetarian and you don't eat meat and then you go into a role, for example, as a butcher, you might find that really difficult because that might compromise your personal value around, you know, ethics, for example, around like meat production, consumption, etc. So, you know, just to make, uh, I, I kind of um, simplify it to make a point, but that's kind of what we mean here is when, when those things that are really important to you and anchor you, like that personal spirit level or compass, um, when they kind of go off kilter in the way that we're work that we're doing in the environments we seek out in order to do our work that's when that confusion can kind of happen so yeah I think you know spending time on things that I get my energy from and environments from a working perspective which I know link into those top values for me um, in my career are then what make me feel satisfied and fulfilled in the work that I'm doing and I know we're going to come on to talk about situations where that hasn't been the case and that definitely hasn't been the case for me at times in my career so far but yeah that's probably my experience of working with values what about yourself it's really interesting here you describe about the time when you learn about values and the fact that actually it was only really in the most recent years yeah because it's also very true for me as well And you referenced learning about values when you yourself were coached and then when you went on to train to become a coach. I didn't realise my values and I knew nothing about values until I was coached as well. So that was eight years ago. And I've spoken about it before in terms of hitting at the time a real low point in my career and feeling quite stuck and lost and, and wanting to find a way forward and hence um, employing a coach and one of the biggest challenges I had at the time was I didn't really know why I was so miserable I I had a rough idea I knew it was job related and I knew there were some certain elements in the job particularly relationships that that were causing me some challenges but I couldn't be specific around it and it was a coach who helped me to explore my values and actually make the link between what was going well for me and what wasn't and how values were playing a part in that um so I've only really understood this piece around values very recently it's not 
anything that was um, part of my education, yes. whether it be formal education or even emotional education as I was growing up. And it definitely didn't form any of my education or training in becoming a manager and leading people. And yet I think it's so integral to it because I think values are integral to human beings because we all have them. Um, And actually the way in which they influence us is so strong. So, you know, what you described there around flexibility is a great example, as is that simplified example of being a vegetarian and working in a butcher's shop. It, It, that's how you know that kind of makes sense and I think when you describe it like that it people can relate to that but that's how prolific they are like all of us have them whether we've acknowledged them or not is the key yeah um and and I think that was what really to be quite blunt I actually think that was what helped me to really change my career change my outlook about working all together it changed my um perspective around what was within my control and what wasn't because all of a sudden I had this greater understanding and insight into myself and I could use that as extra information and it felt like a power in itself like being that aware of, of it and realizing how I could use it to my advantage to help me make my decisions because what is it imp- what is it about values that's so important to you Suze? Yeah, great question. I think from my experience, mainly from the latter part of my corporate career, actually, so before I set my own business up as a coach and trainer, I think I was becoming more, well, I know I was, I was becoming more and more unhappy in the role and the situation that I was doing, not for any particular reason in terms of anything else externally that was going on, but actually because for myself, my and use use a really good word there, acknowledgement, my understanding of myself was improving, increasing because of the work I'd done around training to become a coach and the work I'd done with my own coach as well. Um, So I knew more about myself. I knew more about what made me be at my best. I knew more about what made me satisfied and fulfilled as a person, but also in my work as well. And so because I had that increased awareness I could see that there was now becoming an increased gap between what I was doing in my work, in my corporate career and the role I was in and what was important to me as a person and also to be in place in my work for me to be satisfied and fulfilled in what I was doing. And so the importance of that was that I could actually see that they were going different in different directions and that there was a a bigger gap forming the longer and longer I was kind of staying in that position and in in, in that particular environment. And that was having a big impact on me. I was becoming unhappier and I knew that actually I did want to do something different. Um, But trying to kind of unpick all of that and navigate what does that mean? How do I do that? Became quite consuming for me. I think it 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 impacted me and my thinking quite a lot I think during that period of time I would often when I was driving to meetings be thinking like I don't really want to be doing this this doesn't give me any joy whatsoever this is actually making me feel unhappy and I think so what's important about it in for me in my experience is actually that there was becoming a disconnect between the things that 
needed to be in place to make me be at my best and feel happy and fulfilled and satisfied in my work this is the reality of the situation I was in and the longer that went on the more emphasized that started to become and the more that impacted my personal happiness Mm. um, and really overtook my thinking I'd say actually on a daily basis and so the importance of really thinking about okay, what do I value? So what are my top five values? And I do, we do a lot of this, I know, with our individual coaching clients mm. and our way coaches. Like, what are my top five values? And actually, when you ask a, a client, like, are you living them in your work right now? The response to that question is actually really interesting because a lot of people answer very similarly how I answered a few years ago, which was, no, I'm not. And, and then light bulbs start to go off and you start to see how things kind of connect in yeah. and layer up and all those, those dots start to connect for people. And that's why it's so important as a foundation to really, if you can, start to unpick and acknowledge um, mm. what those are for you. What about for yourself? Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the gap forming because I think, you know, between what you're actually doing day to day, how you're living and what is important to you in respect of your values, because that was the realisation I had when I first started to learn about this topic of values and what it meant for me was that actually the reason I was so unhappy was because of the disconnect. And it's not that... It's not that I wasn't aware of that fact. I just didn't know how to articulate to make sense of it for myself at the time. And I think, you know, when you get stuck in your own head and emotion gets in the way and life's happening, actually, it can become a bit all consuming and a bit of a mess until you take the time to dedicate to sitting down and working through actually what's going on for me and and why is this happening? But it was that conflict between actually, this is what I'm doing. This is what is expected of me. Um, This is how I'm expected to be, behave in the workplace. But actually, it's jarring because this is what's important to me and they don't correlate, they don't match. Um, And once I had that understanding, it was as though a weight was lifted because I've I had the clarity that I was, I had, I didn't have before and I understood why I was feeling the way I was feeling. So I actually could articulate it. I could explain it to myself so I could understand it, but more powerfully, I could actually articulate it to other people and therefore be able to do something about it. Because, you know, saying to someone, I'm just really unhappy at the moment, it doesn't actually tell anybody anything. You know, it's so general, it's quite broad, you know, I don't enjoy my job very much at the moment, or I don't enjoy my job. You know, what does that actually mean? What is it about the job you don't enjoy? Can you pinpoint it? Can you break that down? I think when you're consumed by those sorts of feelings, actually, that is what's really hard to do. And it's scary as well, because it's admitting that something's not right. It's sharing, you know, an element of vulnerability of yourself to say, you know something isn't right here and and I do think when people talk about jobs they can have a tendency to immediately jump on the notion of I'm not able to do it or I'm not good enough which is not always the case but I think when you're at a bit of a low ebb of confidence it's the kind of dark place you go to but you know it takes a lot for people people to be able to admit to that rather than just carry on regardless actually it's it's it takes strength I think it's harder it's more it takes more courage to admit that things are not okay um but actually, therefore, then having the the additional understanding, the knowledge to be able to describe, and this is why, 
is is so is so powerful and then you're able to do something about it um and that was definitely my experience I mean fundamentally for me I realized and it stayed with me forever more that one of my core values is authenticity I want to be able to be authentic and I have to work with other people that are in the same space they themselves are authentic too and actually at the time the environment I was working in was any it was far from authentic it was completely the opposite everyone turned up wearing a mask for the day and behaved in a certain way to fit the culture of the team which was toxic and no one trusted anybody because of that and trust is another one of my values and I then in turn put on a mask which I don't do but I did to fit in and equally couldn't trust anybody so we were in this team that were all pretending to be something they weren't to suit everybody around them, not realizing, I think, a lot of the time that no one was particularly happy in it and no one helped anyone. So I was in a big team with a lot of people, but there was no teamwork, no collaboration. Mm. And, you know, so being able to understand this is, you know, rather than just keep fighting against it and going, I must fit in, I must do well, I must see this as a challenge for me to overcome, I must be different I must try different things I must adopt a different approach actually after a year of it it was a coach turning around saying we don't have to do that (laughs) if it doesn't work for you you don't have to do that and actually it doesn't work for you because you've realized that authenticity and honesty are really important to you and they're not valued in this team so what do you do you go find a team that it is valued Mm. and you change it you raise a really interesting point there around um values I think as well of organizations that you work for oh yes so I definitely found because I had spent quite a long time in my corporate career in kind of mainly like two organizations that actually I'd kind of blurred my own personal values with that of the organizations because organizations have values don't yep. they as well they're, yep. up, they're normally up on walls you know or on mouse mats or on, yeah. you know screensavers like <laughs> yeah. honesty integrity courage yeah they are um, a bit of a buzzword I, I do question <laughs> some of the like genuineness of a lot of values of companies yeah. but I get the gist yeah and you know some of them are and again as again to bring this concept to life it's all about how those values in an organization come alive in their working practices in their cultures in the way they treat people in the way they build relationships with customers you know etc etc but I certainly found until I started acknowledging and working on what my personal values were with my coach that actually I'd kind of got my my personal values blurred a little bit with the organizations because I've kind of been brainwashed is the wrong term but do you know what I mean I do know what you mean I think it's really common it had become, I thought it had become me because I'd been there for so long and I'd heard these words being used so often and frequently, et cetera. And I believed them, you know, I, I, I absolutely bought into them. But actually when I unpicked some of that and looked at myself, I'd kind of maybe lost actually what some of my own values were and they weren't necessarily the same as the organisations. And at that point in time, I don't think for me, my career, that necessarily mattered as much but actually, for some people who may be listening to us, CBBs, you might be thinking, well, but actually, some of those organizational values, they really are different to my own personal values. And again, that can be where that jarring can happen. Yeah. Between, actually, I don't agree a lot with some of this 
kind of culture or these ways of working and that's why versus my own personal things that I find important and and that kind of inner spirit level as you called it so beautifully at the start so yeah I think that's kind of an important element that I wanted to to discuss because it can happen really really often and it did to me Definitely. And I think it's quite common when people have worked for companies for a very long time, their identity becomes the company and they lose their own personal identity. Uh, I don't think that's that unusual. And let's be honest, a lot of businesses, that's what they strive for. That's what they want to achieve, where the individuals are so intrinsically bought into their values, they become one, and that actually the individual starts becoming a representative of their brand. That's a good thing, but it's only a good thing while you yourself are consciously aware of that the fact that that's happening and you're happy with that I think Mm. you know with your example it's that realization sometimes and let's be honest we all evolve we all change none of us are standing still we're always growing it's not that unusual or much of a surprise if at a certain time if you've been with a company for a long time you know years and years that there may come to a point where you realize actually what I want is different and yeah. the values I now have are very different to when I started and I'm now looking for something else and that's totally fine I think the importance then is always being aware of that fact I know I had the opposite where actually do you know what I did agree with the values of the organization I worked for but the fact was is that no one upheld them so they became meaningless and that again played into the lack of authenticity for me that I was struggling with which was I work for this company the values they claim are this but no one's living by those and I've got examples of where the leadership teams are not living by those so actually what is then happening here is again this conflict against one of my key core values which is authenticity because no one's being authentic and we're not being honest, my other one. So it it kind of, that's how it manifested itself. But it's so important, I think, to recognize your own values first and then look elsewhere to see, well, where do they then, where are they then supported, honored? Where do, do I align? Because it's so helpful when you're looking for other jobs, working for other people. I know when I've changed jobs since learning about my values that I very much use my values as a sense check. And I will look at the values of the company and I'll look at how they talk about their culture and do they even talk about it? That's always a good start. Um, you know, because that for me is exciting and I get interested in that and I realise I'm joining a community, which is what's important to me again, because teamwork is my other value. So, you know, it all contributes, but I did not know that eight years ago. And if I'd known that eight years ago, I would have, I'm sure still gone through a very similar experience, but I think I would have gone through it with a lot more understanding and Mm. being able to resolve things a little bit quicker so it wasn't so painful for so long if you're really not that clear in your head at the moment about what you value and how you would articulate your values I would just start thinking about what you enjoy and what don't you enjoy and then really thinking about what is it about what you enjoy and also don't that means that you feel that way and can you start describing it in one word descriptive words because that will start giving a bit of a sense as to what's important to you and and where your values may be you'll get there eventually um but it's a good place to start it's just simply what do you enjoy and what is it about that that you enjoy so for example you know I've always loved team sports I played team sports for my whole life until recently um 
And one of the reasons I love team sports so much was being with other people. So when you then think of one word that describes that, well, you could describe it as teamwork as an example. Um, so yes, give that a go and tune into the second part where we're going to talk a hell of a lot more about how you identify your values and what you do with them. CB Beers, it's back. Your favourite feature, bullshit bingo. This is where Lisa and I share and discuss phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which, quite frankly, make us cringe. Today's bullshit bingo is from our LinkedIn network, and I have to say, it's a flipping good one to start off this brand new season. So, here it is. It is, run it up the flagpole to see who salutes it. So, Lisa, I mean, where do I even start with this one? What, what are your thoughts? I love this one so much. I've never heard of it before, but I think it's absolutely brilliant. I've never heard it. I just think it's so good. I think it's up there with me, uh, for me, along with Capturing Hearts and Minds oh. and Low Hanging Fruit from some of our previous seasons. It's so good. Run it up the flagpole, flagpole, sorry, to see who salutes it. I mean, it's a strong start, isn't it? To the it's season. So good. Really good. It's a flipping brilliant one. So thank you, CBB, who sent this one into us on LinkedIn. We always want to hear your bullshit bingos. We salute um, you. We salute you. Literally, we've run it at the flagpole and we've seen it and we've run with it. So thanks so much. <laughs> oh, dear me. So CBBs, keep them coming. If you have any new bullshit bingos that are good enough to contend with this one, please, please send them through to us. We love hearing them. So email them to hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk and you can always send us messages on either of our LinkedIn profiles or on Instagram at thecoachingcast. We are coming to the end of today's first part of a two-part special episode discussing working with your values, which we've begun today by exploring what values are and why they're important. Our tips and recommendations from today's episode are, number one, invest the time to be curious in what you cherish and really think about it, as Susie described, from the perspective of at home, in life, and everything that you do, the way you behave, all of it, because it will all inform you around what your values are. Number two, note down what you enjoy doing, both at home and at work, in all aspects of your life, in other words. And then thirdly, once you have your list of what you enjoy, really break down what is it about that that is important to you? Why do you enjoy it? And start to see if you can pull out some single word describing um, adjectives for yourself that you can start to focus on. We've also got some self-coaching questions for you to ask yourself to support this particular uh, topic of values and exploring your own. And they are, number one, what is important to me? And what is it about this that's important to me? So that will really support you with the tips we've just shared on the board. What do you enjoy? And also really think about what do you not enjoy? Because sometimes the things we don't like can really help to give us insights that we can use to do more of what we do like. 
So make a note of your answers and tune into the second part of this episode next week to understand how you can use this information to start really defining what your values are. Don't worry if you can't remember them. All of our tips and recommendations will be on our Instagram page at The Coaching Cast this week, which is where all the top tips are always saved. They're also always on our website. So you can go to thecoachingcast.co.uk to find them there as well. We hope you enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we love to hear from you. So you can contact us in three ways. Firstly, on email at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk, on Instagram at thecoachingcast. And finally, you can contact us through our website, www.thecoachingcast.co.uk. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and would like to help us to grow this podcast, please, please do us a favor. Leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. You have no idea how important these are. Hit subscribe wherever you listen and please give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Don't forget, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel by searching for The Coaching Cast. Next week, we will continue to discuss the topic of working with your values and explore how you can clearly identify and define your values and what action you can take to work with these on a consistent basis. So those of you who listen to us regularly are strong CBB crowd. You know we love our music and that we always end every single episode with our individual song recommendations. This week it's my turn, so privileged to open the fifth season and I've chosen another classic by Prince which is I Would Die For You. Love this song. Great choice. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks very much for listening CBBs and putting up with my 80s obsessed themes songs and have a great week and remember you've got this (laughs) 